place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Welcome! You're listening to the Sunspots Comic Podcast issue number 69, covering New Comic Book Day, August 24th, and it is an over-frosted, over-sprinkled, yummy deliciousness of comic book happiness. Thank you for joining in on the nerdiness. Please follow us and tell a friend or a loved one to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Sunspots Comics. He's now live on Xbox with the gamer tag Sunspots Comics. So send him a friend request and maybe he'll play sometime and nerd out a bit. And thank you to our friend Nick Papa George for making the amazing Sunspots comic theme song. Because if you're looking for it, well, I wouldn't even go there because I'll mess it up. Anyway, please follow him at Facebook.com, PopDs, and Instagram at PopDs. And thank you to our son Jay Bowles, Justin Latori. For his work on Sunspots Comics blog, please check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com and follow him on Instagram at JustLAKings. His next blog is on, oh, my favorite movie right now, Suicide Squad. So let's jump into the Sunspots Comics podcast, issue 69. Here is your host, my husband, Chris Latori. Take it away, sweet eyes. Thank you so much. Thank you, our, my lovely announcer, Patsy Latori, my wife. Thank you very much for doing the intro today. So, yes, let's jump right into this podcast and start with just some things floating around in my nerd brain. I recently went into the archive slash garage and pulled out this 40 Years of Amazing Spider-Man 11 CD set. It has actually every single Amazing Spider-Man comic from number one through 500, which goes from 1962 when they have they actually has Amazing Fantasy 15 in there, all the way to issue 500, which goes to 2003. I remember when I bought it in 2008, and I was just so super excited because I wanted to actually read every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man because I'd missed some stuff in like the early 60s and 70s. So I just wanted to make sure that I had every single issue down because it's just so much fun. There's such a rich, complex, you know, it's emotional. It's it's just that superhero that is for everyone. It's, he's, he's us. He's someone we can relate to. He's got issues and things just kind of don't go right all the time for him. So... I mean, it's just so much fun. And I mean, talk about some great first appearances, right? In the body of work that is Amazing Spider-Man. You have first appearances like Venom and Punisher and the Sinister Six, just to name a few. And and things like the death of Gwen Stacy. And it's just a ton of fun. And I was surprised at how, how decent the scans are. And you can actually print them and you can save them and stick them on thumb drives. And I could see why Marvel sort of discontinued it. Because you probably realize they're just kind of giving away the farm. The only little teeny minus is that there is a like Marvel watermark throughout the center of every single page, but it's it's just kind of transparent, so it doesn't really get in the way. But very very cool, and I see it now on on eBay and various sites for like 150 bucks, and I think I paid 20 dollars for it. So very very cool. Check it out. I put a little posting on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to kind of highlight it. So very very cool. The next thing on my nerd brain, I have to actually just give a thank you and spotlight. Uh, to Mr. Ryan Otley, who is a fantastic artist. He's mostly known for his work, his just gorgeous, fantastic work on the image comic book called Invincible, which is one of my favorite comic books of all time. 
I bought this autographed mini sketchbook that he calls the Ryan Otley Book of Creatures and Gross Things. And it is full of beautifully drawn gross creatures. And he's even he even tossed in this bonus, which was to me a huge deal, and it meant a lot that he actually added in an autographed copy of Invincible issue 123, which is one of my favorite Invincible issues of all time. It's the issue where our main character Mark is about to embark on this long space journey to battle the Conqueror Viltrumite, and he there's just this totally heartwarming panel where it's just a daddy daughter day. And it's just sweet, and it's fun, and it's it's baby di- baby diapers gross. It's it's just a ton of fun and heartwarming. And thank you, Mr. Ryan Otley. And please check him out on Instagram at Ryan Otley, O T T L E Y. Also on my nerd lobes, happy 99th birthday to the king of all comics, Mr. Jack Kirby. Thank you, News Rama, by the way, for the assist on this. But they had a great article here that. Shows Hail to the King, Jack Kirby's 10 Greatest Creations. So I wanted to just pay homage to the man that made comic books what they are today by looking back on his 10 greatest creations slash co-creations. The first one, The Uncanny X-Men. I mean, my goodness. Think of how that changed comics from where someone is just born with it. They're mutants. They, When they're a teenager, it just their, their mutant gene activates. There wasn't any crazy, crazy radiation and explosion, etc. It was just, hey, they're just born with it, and they didn't have to do origins basically for every single character because they're just uh, when they were a teenager that the mutant gene, the mutant gene just activated, and he co-created that with Stanley, the Incredible Hulk. I mean, come on now, you think about that sort of twist on Frankenstein. Fantastic to where you know they made him uh, green like Frankenstein and and sort of a mindless brute. And yet he is sort of trying to do good and there's the essence of Bruce still in his brain. And my goodness, I mean, think about that fantastic invention. The, you know, the Mighty Thor, that's another one. Him and uh, Jack Kirby, uh, along with, uh, uh, he had partnered with Stan Lee on this one as well. And a guy that, uh, Larry Lieber. And man, I mean, just taking the, the Greek or the uh, mythology and, the, and the, the lore that is Thor and and creating this fantastic character and the and the Mjolnir the hammer I mean it's just a ton of fun right and then you've got Captain America you've got Black Panther you've got Commandi which a lot of people don't really realize his work in Commandi was really where Jack Kirby was able to just flex his muscles and be free to sort of do his own thing uh, outside the normal confines of of DC they just said hey go nuts and so he really got he really flexed his artistic muscles there and it was just gorgeous his work on Commandi Silver Surfer I mean come on the Avengers I mean pulling them all together the new gods and the Fantastic Four so thank you so much Mr. King Jack Kirby for all of your glorious work and for really truly just like I said paving the way for comic books and to making them what they are today, which is uh, something that most people love very much. So thank you, Jack Kirby. Happy birthday. You are missed. And the last thing on my nerd brain is, of course, I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. I'm actually doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his fantastic art on it. Please check out his art on Instagram, at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is freaking ridiculous. Thank you so much, Jordan. I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com. 
where I posted some sample pages of 1 through 4, so please check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. And just a quick update, I finalized the writing. The pencils are just about done, so he's going to start inking soon, page 13. That's where the Zombie Destroyer team is getting ready to go outside and battle some zombies for the first time. What's going to happen? Who knows? You'll have to read it, Zombie Destroyers. <laughs> Can't wait to get that out there. And so that's the stuff on my nerd brain. So now let's jump into the spotlighting segment. Spotlighting is where I like to shine some sunspot love on independent comic book creators that are chasing their dreams out there. And I'd like to spend a little time here and highlight and talk about Miles Greb. Miles actually created this fantastic comic book called After the Gold Rush. You can check it out at afterthegoldrush.space. I love that website. And it's just beautifully crafted, wonderfully drawn. It's a comic about an optimistic space, space uh, exploration adventure, ultimately. And he was nice enough to send me issue number one, which I got to read, and it was fantastic. I'll get into that a little bit more later. And we're actually working on uh, getting him on the podcast and me doing sort of an interview uh, with him to talk a little bit more about that. So tune in maybe in the next episode or so. We're going to have Miles Greb on here. So thank you so much for your contribution to comics. And it is a glorious comic book. Again, after the gold rush dot space. Check it out. So that's our spotlighting segment this week. And so don't forget, if you know someone or you yourself are an independent comic book creator like Miles Greb and like myself. Uh, if you want to be spotlighted on the podcast, just send me an email to chris at sunspotscomics.com or send me a message, message, of course, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at sunspotscomics. I'm definitely going to do my part and try to share some love, shine some light on anyone that's a writer, artist, colorist, and letterer. So just send your information in and I'll give you some love and throw you some light. So, I've got also some comic book news. I've got two articles right here. The uh, It's actually uh, some space news. That's right. Space, 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 space. News, 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 news. <laughs> anyway, the first article comes from the LATimes.com. It's titled, Found an Earth-sized planet 4.2 light years away that could have conditions for life. So, this is a big friggin deal astronomers all over the world are freaking out they in the past they had another planet that was a little bit further and this one is much closer they call it proxima b and i guess wednesday there was this uh, journal uh, that showed here that the the planet looks like it could be inhabitable they, it looks like that humans might be able to find for the first time life just outside of our solar system. It's the closest star and potentially habitable world. And just, I mean, imagine, like Cornell University is freaking out. It's it's a game changer, folks, that Proxima B could be the answer to, yeah, we've messed up our planet so bad, so let's find another one to go mess up and start over. <laughs> but uh, kind of exciting. And it ties right into the second article, which is businessinsider.com, that this Russian billionaire has a crazy plan to reach this nearby planet that might harbor life. So ultimately, he has this crazy idea. He's going to throw a, just a jagillion dollars at it, which will actually take tiny nano spaceships and basically shoot that nano spaceship with a laser and use that laser to get to about 20% the speed of light. So ultimately, the main holdup is that particular part of the technology. I guess he's having no problem getting a very super small chipset and 
and basically a ship set but it's blasting it with the lasers to make it fast that's the primary problem but he's ready to just dump a bunch of dough into this to try to send off uh, these nanocrafts he actually even has like an estimated time frame that may be in around 25 years and he has like this satellite station this sort of giant field of satellites shooting these lasers and nano ships at uh, approximately 134 million miles per hour, which equates to, I guess, 20% of the speed of light, which is crazy that it's that fast. But I'll, of course, share both of these articles on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But that is the conflict news this week and space news. That's right. Good stuff. So let's get to my favorite part of the Sunspots comic podcast, which is where... I take a look at a bunch of comic books that I read for New Comic Book Day August 24th and give you my reviews, my recommendations, and I even pick my favorites. And of course, spoiler alert, I every week try extremely hard just to harness my powers of persuasion on just inspiring you to buy these comic books so I don't really go over the last couple of pages. I just absolutely do my best not to totally spoil it, but rather just inspire you and make you want to go buy them at a local comic book shop. But you have been warned, spoiler alert, but if anything, it's just a spoiler alert light. (laughs) And also to see everything that I'm reading, all my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on pull list, And also, you'll see the total titles of, actually, it's up to 108 titles that I'm currently reading. Thank goodness they're not all at once. And also, click on Top Comic Books of the Week. You'll see all of my past favorite picks. I recently just updated, compacted, and simplified sunspotscomics.com. So please check it out. I'm, like, super proud of it. And again, it's just a, it's, it's a teeny little site. It's not a just ton of content, but little by little, I'm making it better and Very soon, I'm going to be just revamping the whole thing, so it's going to look totally different, but I'm doing a lot of work on there to really make it good. And also, this week's art winner is Gerardo Sandoval from Venom Space Knight issue 11, and his art is classic, kind of 90s style, but with a lot more lines and detail. He really just jumps out of the panels and has some fantastic large fight sequences between Spider-Man and Venom, which I'll get into a little bit later. But Gerardo Sandoval is just doing fantastic art on Venom Space Knight. And check it out, issue number 11. It is gorgeous. And the art cover winner this week is Juan Doe from American Monster from Aftershock Comics, issue number 3. And it is iconic and beautiful. It has this black, white, and red color scheme that's kind of silhouetted. And he's standing with his back to us, but his head is slightly turned where his eyes look like he's just about to attack. And he's got this smoking gun, but it's kind of Frank Miller-esque with the black, white, and red. It's just gorgeous. Cannot uh, recommend it enough. That is Wando from American Monster, issue number three from Aftershock, Aftershock Comics. Beautiful. So this week I actually bought 19 comic books and 10 of them made it to the favorite pick list. That's amazing. That's over that 50% mark I like to be at. So very, very good week of comics. And there were five brand new number ones. We had after the gold rush, we had BEK, which is the Black Eyed Kids. That's another one from Aftershock. We had Godzilla Rage Across Time. We had Kingsway West from Greg Pak. And we had Lake of Fire. And four of the five new number ones made it to the top picks this week, which is amazing. So that's, I'll unveil what what they are, of course, here. 
uh, very briefly. So here we go. Let's get into my favorite comic book picks of the week for new comic book day, August 24th. Here we go. Coming in at number 10 is American Monster, issue number three from Aftershock Comics, written by Brian Azzarello, which Brian, for me, we all know him from his epic work on 100 Bullets, but I've kinda, I have kind of know him a little bit more for his Batman work and some of his, uh, even his Superman, uh, which that's kind of what I remember him for, but Brian Azzarello just even had a part to do with the latest DC animated feature, the, the Joker... And the I know it's getting a lot of sort of mixed reviews, uh, but it's the Killing Joke, and he had he had to, I guess co-wrote that as well. But uh, fantastic comic here. This is a ultimately a revenge story. There is a man that is horribly disfigured. He's on the cover. Just his you could tell he had like third degree burns over ninety percent of his body, and his buddies like in Afghanistan in a tour that he was doing. Uh, turned on him. We don't know why yet. Brian's doing a great job of just slowly sort of revealing the plot in this. All we know is this horribly disfigured man is is basically looks kind of like the Red Skull. He's like red, but he's seriously muscled and looks like he's about 6'8". And there's some, there is a recent death in town that uh, was caused by our, our guy on his revenge quest to go after his his military crew. And why they turned against him and why they torched him, we don't know yet. But they're really setting kind of an interesting stage here. They're in this small sort of town in the Midwest where they're definitely expanding and sort of bringing these other characters to light to really bring forward this just messed up town. And that's like a character within itself. And there's these sort of kids involved that sort of witness the murder and he has to sort of decide if he's going to take this young girl out because she sort of saw that he killed someone. So there's some complexity there. What's he going to do? But ultimately, it is very dark the way it's drawn. And it's a very sort of not pretty, very it's a gloomy town. And it's just kind of you're in this world. And it's a, it's kind of a, a ton of fun to be immersed in this dark sort of revenge story that is American Monster. So check it out. It is fantastic. Coming in at number nine is one of those new number ones, and it's King's Way West from Dark Horse Comics, written by Greg Pack and art by Mirko Kolak. And this is kind of a, a an interesting what-if story. Like, what if there was red gold in the world, and red gold sort of powers magic... And what if that was found sort of in the Old West? <laughs> and in Northern California in 1861, there isn't the... Primarily the main protagonist of this story is this Asian um, cowboy, which is kind of cool. A little different. And he is... He's been through some rough stuff. They just sort of reference that he was sort of in these, in these wars and now the war is over. Kind of rings a, a little sort of serenity bell for me. And he is... He's running away from these bounty hunters that want to bring him in, dead or alive. And he comes across a young Mexican woman. And they sort of fall in love. And then you sort of get a flash forward in time. And there is, there's still bounty hunters after him. But magic is sort of definitely kicked into another gear here. To where there's like dragons and there's jackalobes. And there's, there's uh, you can tell there's... There's just sort of spirit creatures and strange animals that they ride. And 
and he comes across this woman with like this imbued red gold sword and she's having problems with these bounty hunters and and then some some nastiness happens in our in Mr. Kingsway's home where his his wife is and what happened to her and that's just the gist that's just the start. That's just the beginning. That doesn't spoil a lot. There's a ton of action in this. Like I said, it's the Old West mixed with magic. It just seems like it's going to be a just a fantastic adventure. I'm all in. I love that sort of clash like serenity of the Old West and, and Asian culture. And now there's magic infused into it. So a, a ton of fun. I'm all in. I definitely want to see where this goes. And coming in at number eight is also a new number one from Image Comics. It's Lake of Fire, written by Nathan Fairbairn and art by Matt Smith. And this is kind of another what-if adventure. What if in the French Pyrenees in 1220, there was an alien crash, uh, like a gigantic ship that crashed into this time, and how would that affect things? And there's sort of these these crusaders, these 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 Christian crusaders that um, that were are primarily our two main focuses these young uh, like kind of squire like guys but one of them he's definitely comes from sort of a rich well-to-do family and it's interesting that they're looking for a, a, a purpose a crusade a mission and the leader of this sort of village just kind of comes up with a mission like we heard there's there's heresy in this town nearby and it's he just made it up just to get these two guys out of his hair because they're kind of like they want to take on the world and he's like look just get away from me and we heard there's heresy in the town nearby <laughs> so I, I like that that's sort of the general premise of how this story begins but the interesting character is sort of this very sort of uh, kind of an older man that's definitely he's got scars on his face and he's kind of another one that's just been uh, PTSD from war and he's a drunkard, and he's he's fraternizing, and they're his sort of leader in this mission they're going to take that's really a bogus mission. <laughs> so an interesting premise, right? Aliens crash landing in 1220 in the French Pyrenees, and where is this going to go? You do get to see a glimpse of the aliens. They're like these, these large sort of, like about the size of a bear, but they look like like a giant cockroach with some crazy f like fangs. And that's what they're primarily fighting. They don't seem to be really intelligent, but maybe they are. Maybe there's a, a hierarchy. Maybe these are just the soldiers. And we're going to maybe see more. Who knows? But I'm in. Lake of Fire, well drawn, beautifully. It, it just seems historically drawn. Seems very accurate. And there's seems to be it's heavily weighted upon the true look of the French Pyrenees in the 1200s. So I like it. Lake of Fire is the number eight. And number seven is The Flash, issue number five from DC Comics. And this is written by Joshua Williamson. Art by uh, Watanabe is the name on that. And I'll get his first name in a second here. Oh, here it is. There we go. And it's, uh, yes, it's the artist Felipe Watanabe. And his art is gorgeous. So many bright colors in this. I keep telling everyone to read The Flash. It's gorgeous. This is actually titled The Flash's Day Off. <laughs> Barry's Day Off. So you just already know from that that just bad things are going to happen. But there's ultimately this very positive feeling in this in the, it, in this comic book. It's very much 
uh, pays homage to the TV show, the CW show, and that it's very brightly lit, full of bright colors, and it has a great pacing to it, where a bunch of people now have had this, uh, have had have the Flash powers because of this freak lightning storm from the from the Speed Force. And the Fast Track is the new character that is trying to, her name is Mina, she's trying to help teach the new Flashes uh, to, to how to handle their powers because she doesn't want, they all don't want uh, everyone with Flash imbued powers to just turn evil and rob banks and do dastardly deeds. So he's, uh, she's helping out with that, but, but Barry now has a sidekick and he has Mina, Fast Track. And a bunch of other flashes doing things. He kind of just takes it easy in this lovely sequence where he's kind of taking a beach day, like him and Mina, and it's gorgeous. There's a sunset happening in the first sequence that's just beautifully drawn. In fact, this was definitely one of those potential art winners here. I had to go between this and the others and make a decision, but this was just beautifully done. And then he even has a a nice moment with iris where he meets at a diner and he's on time and he pays the tab and she's like sort of freaking out by that because that's very much not barry and it just feels you with with good feelings and and then you quickly see that this training center is awesome how they're teaching everyone with flash powers to to harness their powers and you even get a a, a meetup from from wally and wally is uh, trying to decide if he's going to Go to the Star Labs and actually get the training. And I like that, that he's not kind of sure if he's going to jump into that or just do his own thing. He he really kind of, he sort of, heart, he, he cherishes his secret identity. And this is just kind of openly coming out and everyone seeing who you are. But he meets Fast Track sort of outside the training facility. And Fast Track says she'll just kind of train him one-on-one then. That's totally fine. And she quickly takes her mask off to make him, because, you know, to make him feel better. He doesn't have his mask on, so... She introduces herself as Mina, and it's a sweet, like, heartwarming moment there. And then uh, then they have to go save some people, like, f- falling off a scaffolding, off a building. And so there's just that sort of, they have to do a good deed there. And there ultimately, there is this new bad guy called Godspeed that is actually killing people with flash powers and stealing their powers. And you sort of wonder when he's going to reappear. Does he in this issue? Well you'll have to check it out and see but ultimately it's just feel good it is a good time and it's positive energy and it's what you want in a flash comic and i can't recommend it any higher it's it's just a ton of fun and that's why it's my number seven pick of the week so coming in number six is invincible number 130 from image comics written by robert kirkman and art by Corey walker and it's nice to see Corey Walker back, like he did issues one through seven, and then Ryan Otley took over. And I think Ryan Otley's coming back, because this is coming to an end. I guess it's 12 issues left, which is sad. Uh, but anyway, this issue is important. We kind of see what's happening on Earth and the sort of guardians of the globe that are following along with the robot, with uh, the main character here that's kind of guarding Earth and... He's sort of taken over into the president slash warlord slash dictator of the planet. And is Robot going to make bad things happen? Well, that's what Mark thinks. And he's back on Earth. Mark is there. He's uh, meeting his father, Omni-Man. He's there as well. They're kind of having a meeting. And uh, they, you know, they, they both just want Mark to play ball. Like that the robot's going to be fine. He's talking about how crime is down and, and destruction is down and enemies are are becoming uh, sparse and the earth couldn't be better 
but Mark just has this sense that bad things are going to happen. He just uh, doesn't have a good feeling about uh, Robot just being this sort of warlord. So then uh, Dad says, hey, let's have a little one-on-one out in space. And it's a heated conversation here. It's definitely them not seeing eye-to-eye on this. Omni-Man, his dad, is like, look, he's proven himself. It's been a matter of years now, not days or months, that Robot has kept the Earth safe and even employment is up and people are happy and just Mark just doesn't feel it. He's just got this bad sense about about that. But he kind of says, okay, well, Dad, you watch him then. And he gets back into the spaceship to head back towards the planet where him and Eve live and their daughter... Uh, Terra, and I just love the sequences. It's it's ultimately at its core. Invincible is about family. It's about Mark and his father, and it's about his relationship with Eve and Terra, and trying to be a superhero at the same time. And now Eve is in in the ship actually, and they're headed back to their home world. And you, uh, where is Thrag? Is Thrag is this Viltrumite conqueror that is building an army? He went to that planet where he sort of, um, not sort of, but mated with those lotus-like creatures. They're half Viltrumite, half lotus, and they grow very fast. And there's two kids that Thrag has that seem to be, well, they're going to be main characters here in the very near future. And you know they're coming after him. The kids are Ornal and Ursal, and they uh, seem like they're being raised to just hate Mark. <laughs> so I just feel like this is just... This is where it's all sort of beginning, and it's it's a, a great setup issue, and it's leading to the the final 12 or 14 issues. I think it's 14. I think it was ending at 144, and this is 130. So uh, you're going to be hearing, I'm sure, a, me talk a lot about Invincible as it's coming to an end, a series end, because it is one of my favorite superhero comics of all time. And it, like I said, at its heart is family. So check out Invincible. It is always a super good time. And coming in at number five uh, from IDW is Godzilla Rage Across Time. This is written by Jeremy Robinson and art by Matt Frank. And arts, uh, the art style here is very much like what you see on ancient scrolls and parchment in ancient Japan. A lot of samurai work with masks and uh, a lot of very samurai jack looking uh, straw hats and... I love that ultimately this is trying to tie in that Godzilla is centuries old and that he has to do with a lot of the Japanese historical events and they show, I mean there's like three awesome fights in here where he's fighting, Godzilla's fighting a multi-headed dragon and then it sort of flashes forward to present day where they're looking at at ship wreckage and tying it into true like a, a sort of background and history of Godzilla and the way he's drawn has that like I said that that very ancient Japanese style look to it that you see like on a ton of tattoos is the best way to describe it and it's just beautifully drawn and you see some of the classic Godzilla villains in here and it's it's just it's a ton of fun and there's this this battle between like a shogun and like a ninja but it's like a white ninja Kind of like the White Ninja from the G.I. Joe series is what it reminds me of. But they're ultimately tying in, weaving this tapestry, if you will, of this, of the ancient history of Godzilla. So I love it. And it looks like they're going to be jumping around in different times and different sort of mythology and different historical 
you know, background to see that, that Godzilla could be infused in a lot of other uh, very important historical events. So I dig it. It doesn't really say at this point if it's a miniseries or it's going to be an ongoing, but I'm all in. The art's fantastic, like I said, and it's just a, a ton of fun, and the, and the fight scenes with Godzilla are amazing. So I definitely, definitely recommend it. It definitely has a different look and a twist on the on the on the Godzilla genre so I love it fantastic coming in at number four is from Dark Horse Comics it's uh, Department H or Depth written by Matt Kint and art by Charlene Kint the Kint's family and this is again that story of this young woman that has to go down to the depths of the ocean into this underwater lab to find out who killed her father and it seems like Everyone has killed her father in this so far. <laughs> and her brother even seems like he could have possibly killed their father. And they go down and and the brother, they're searching together, the brother and sister. And the brother gets sucked down and falls into a deeper depths. And she has to go back to the lab and ask for help. And they're all sort of hesitant. They're like, almost like, let your brother die. Sorry. And she has to like really make her case here and get upset and finally come some of them are like okay fine let's go save your brother and it's like the guy's living on limited time with his oxygen tank deep in the deep dark depths of the ocean so they get this uh, their suits together and they go down and check him out and he's in this beautifully drawn deep dark cave which i love their very jeff lemire style art that that charlene kent is drawing here and watercoloring very much in the style of sort of Descender and Jeff Lemire's sort of Sweet Tooth and in, in that kind of style and I love it and it's it has this claustrophobic feel and anyway they go down to this dark cave and they see this sea mime which they call the Mare Parrot and they believe that the brother is down there at first because they mimic what they hear they like they're like these sea spider parrot parasites basically and so is the brother actually alive or is it just these these sea spiders that are saying his voice because they heard it and also they have this in that cave and where they live there's and with these monsters these little parasites get near you or bite you it has a hallucinatory effect so are they dreaming all this and i love that mixture of is it reality is it not reality and there's a flashback sequence in here that makes things even more complicated because the young woman was involved with one of the men here and the men is the guy that she was involved with is on the surface and he's sending this message that could be coded that that uh, things aren't as good as it seems down there and he's sending this coded message and i love that that uh, the flashback ties into what's happening now and it's just this cool, if you've ever seen the movie Abyss, I love the movie Abyss. It's very much reminiscent of that movie, this deep, dark sea exploration kind of comic, and I love it. And coming in at number three, so here we go, the top three comics of the week. The now Coming in at number three from Miles Greb is After the Gold Rush, and he has self-published this, so it's by Mr. Miles Greb, art by Isaac LaRussa. And Isaac's art style is gorgeous. It's very much a sort of a lot of pencil type lines. It has a realistic look, but the coloring is also has this sort of watercoloring like effect, but it's just otherworldly look and feel to it. And I love that it seems to be deeply rooted in some realistic science here. The very beginning of it, it's showing this planet, which kind of looks like the moon that has, it's just 
all this machination uh, built on this planet. And so you start with sort of the displays that are being read and it's giving us engine diagnostics and shielding and it's like going through sort of its its check systems and some of them are starting to fail and it's in this ship that is also kind of reminiscent of serenity and has this where it kind of looks like a like a beetle it's kind of in, insect looking or even a little on the voltron side as it reminds me of the lions from voltron the individual lion ship so already i was i was in i'm like oh my gosh it looks like voltron give it give me more and so the ship falls apart, there is an escape pod jettisoned, and we have some re-entry now, and you're introduced to Scout. She's our main character that survives this re-entry, and her ship, uh, escape pod, kind of crashes on the planet. And she has some awesome tech on her arms, and she is, uh, she's very optimistic. She's very sort of hopeful, like she, she sort of probably doesn't read her display or or maybe doesn't have the tech i'm not quite sure but sort of pops off the helmet and says like right before that i hope it's breathable <laughs> and you're like oh my gosh she's she's very optimistic and she just sort of soaks in the the planet and and the fauna that's there and like i said it's it's steeped in some real life science here which i really dug miles definitely has uh some background there i'd love to get him and interview him and ask him about his background with science is that something he studied i'm not sure but and so it's it even has that feeling of uh the movie martian which i totally enjoyed uh but it's just sort of these these quiet moments of being alone on this planet and and exploring it and thank goodness there's there's green there and she references uh the that she hasn't seen you know these leafy substances in so long and she just has this this look and feel of being very happy and it, it very much emotes that with isaac's fantastic art and so you definitely feel it it's just this feeling of wonder and this this optimistic science feeling i i just absolutely loved it and then you're introduced into some characters uh they're interesting characters they're different uh is this earth is it not earth like just i don't want to spoil all of it but definitely take a look at it and check out his website you can even get it on comiXology and it's coming out on print very soon or may have already been out on print i have to look a little further but thank you again miles greb for giving me an issue uh, issue number one a copy of it to to read i really enjoyed it and just uh, the use of of color and the great paneling here it's some fantastic storytelling and leaves you with a cliffhanger at the end here a beautiful visual cliffhanger and I, I he even I, I listened to an interview where he sort of what happens in the last few pages was very much the inspiration for the entire comic. And I really like that. And you can see why, which you'll have to take a look and read it. But that is my number three, After the Gold Rush, number one by Miles Greb. And coming in at number two is Venom Space Knight, number 11. And this is a, a, quite a surprise. I was really interested to see how they would do a Venom and Spider-Man meeting each other again. Well, they, they added a, quite an interesting twist here. So you start off with Venom in Space Knight form, which I even love the way that looks. It has that sort of chiseled chin and the sort of more of the tribal-like white lines uh, throughout the Venom suit. And you sort of know that Flash Thompson has more control over the symbiote at that moment when it's more in the Space Knight Venom uh, symbiote look but he's back in new york and he's being watched by spider bots so you're first thinking okay is this spider-man or maybe it's not and you also kind of think what's happening with his his space knight team like where are they you have the the 
the panda alien large panda alien and the and the daughter they're basically both women and the scroll woman and the medusa like character like what are they doing well you you get to see and you get to see that they're they basically meet up with another space knight team so what's going to happen with them are they is flash thompson going to make it back to them and be part of that space knight team again or is that that kind of it so it just kind of teases you with that and a funny sequence with the baby panda which you have to read i love the way they've drawn this panda as this warrior in training the baby panda monster creature and i just love that little adorable creature like who doesn't love a, a like a four foot tall walking panda that speaks and that's trained to be a warrior i mean come on but the next part of it is kind of the heart of the story which is flash going back to uh, rose manor the wellness center in middleton new york where his mother is there in this in sort of hospice care so i don't remember what happened to his mom but seems like she's having a good day she maybe potentially has like alzheimer's and they just have this heartwarming moment you know mother to son moment where they both sort of apologize to each other and they have like this loving embrace and fantastic artwork on the eyes and the face here to where you really feel the emotion and that to me was the core part of this was that the reuniting of, of flash and his mom even though i hardly knew anything about flash's mom's past history but it was just a cool son daughter moment and it gets you and then you realize those spider bots are actually spider-man i mean venom is there he has to investigate and the space knight venom suit is gone and replaced by the venom of old long-tongued lashing giant teeth slicing venom that we know and love and the minimal speech pattern and yeah it's 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 spider-man arrives in this awesome spider-man jet so it's just that's about all i want to give you because it's a fight from there the panels are gorgeous there's a ton of coming outside the panels and over large drawn two-page splashes in this it is it is gorgeous it's a keeper it's it's one that i would love to have in like the magazine format or giant format and just every page be like 11 by 17 and just put them in frames it is that well done and it has this 90s sensibility art from it but at the same time he's definitely modernized it and the coloring is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous have to give props to the colorist on this which is dano sanchez almara gorgeous work on the coloring it just really pops it's just gorgeous it's it's splash and and the, the way that the speed is done and and uh, it's just it's hard to describe the coloring and art but it's gorgeous and it's fun and it's action-packed and you gotta see spidey and venom going toe-to-toe -to -toe. it's it's good stuff and then even flash is disconnected from the suit as it's just venom the symbiote fighting spider-man and uh yeah it's a brutal fight and it's a ton of fun and that's why it's my number two i love it and coming in at number one this week, which was an easy pick, as I'm looking them over and I'm, I'm kind of do my little battle with my comics where I go, okay, is this one better than that one? Okay, then that that's in the top five. This one better than that one? Nope, it's in the bottom five. And I do it. I do this little weird routine. One day I'll break it down. But this was simply easily as I looked at the cover. Ah, that's my number one pick of the week, and it's Batman Detective Comics nine thirty nine. And this was actually a previous number one pick on a on the july 27th podcast it was my number one pick then and here it is again but the opening sequence of uh the batwoman character and her father it's just gorgeous where martha wayne has passed away and that's his sister and it's 
it's a sad moment. It's at the funeral, and and then you have Bruce again, and you see that Bruce has this sort of loving moment with her, with Bruce's cousin, you know, who is Batwoman, and she just, uh, you know, Kate is her name. That's right. I keep forgetting her name, but they're little kids, and Kate like you know has this warming moment where she puts her hand on bruce's and bruce is crying and that was the it, it just absolutely got me it's the way that it's sort of done in this grayish beige tone to show that it's the past has this great flashback feel but bruce is very, bruce and kate are very much in color here and she is with her red hair but there's just a little moment where kate actually sort of distracts bruce and says like hey we're family and we'll be there for you and and it actually sort of from when Bruce was just being very sad, it kind of wakens him up and he opens his eyes and looks at Kate and has this sort of this okay moment and feeling that things are going to be okay because he has some family. And that's cool because that's what this ultimately is. It's, it's you know, Batman dad and all the Bat kids here that are coming together to, to fight the, the colony, the Batmen. And it's, um, it's Kate's dad who is this colonel that you finally get to kind of see what he's doing here. Like, he was sort of taking over. They've observed Batman for so long. They've stolen his tech. And they're sort of just fighting the Bat team. But we don't really know what their agenda is. Well, here we learn the agenda. That ultimately they have a algorithm that is going to help them find all of the League of Assassins or other various villains and capture them using all of the Bat tech that they stole from, from Batman. But... This ultimately has a moment of sacrifice from Tim, from from Robin here, that is completely memorable that I will always remember, but it definitely gives you that feeling of heroism. I don't want to ruin it for you, um, but that is what the core of this is, is what Tim does to sacrifice for this team. And there are drones involved, and there is some super hyper bat tech here, and the Gotham is about to be just overrun with the the colony and these these batman and these drones and they're sort of helicarrier the uh, bat helicarrier that's coming with with colonel uh, kane i think was his last name and you even have uh clayface in here that has to clear a room and how he does it is kind of hilarious so i just love that the this um oh by the way i didn't even give props to the team here you have um writer james tinney in the fourth and you have art by which I love the art style and the coloring. It's just so full of color. And again, they're drawing Batman with that web-like cape, which I love. It has kind of like this Spider-Man web to it is the best way to describe his cape, especially when it looks like it's wet. But James Tinney in the fourth has done a great job here at, at putting an interesting ensemble and team together and writing them in a way that's just, it's totally positive feel and they're together as like a family. But it's uh, pencils by Eddie Burroughs and the uh, inks by Eber Ferreira and the colors Adriana Lucas. Fantastic job on the colors. But the Rise of the Batman Part 6 is what this is titled. Seems like this is kind of closely, maybe very soon here, coming to an end. But I love it. And it's bi-weekly, folks. And I said this a long time ago. For any sort of DC Rebirth comic to be... To be on my pull list and for me to buy it at $2.99 every two weeks, it has to be phenomenal. And this is phenomenal. Grab it, get it, buy it. I'm sure they're going to be putting these together in trade collection very soon. But Batman Detective Comics 939, James Tinney in the fourth, doing it in hardcore fashion. 
and it's just that bat team ensemble and family that you you wanted for so long it's just i gotta tell you it's the best thing coming out of rebirth that in flash that are consistently super good and positive in nature and just a ton of fun so anyway there you go those are my 10 recommendations man those are good for new comic book day august 24th please Heed my words and go to a local comic book shop and buy these comics immediately and add them to your pull list. They are fantastic. And if you have any questions, comments, or you maybe want a personal comic book recommendation, just shoot me an email to chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and discuss it on a podcast, I'll actually send you a free comic book prize. It's just a personal thank you for me. And also, go ahead and sign up for our contact newsletter. Our email newsletter will be going out soon. It's at sunspotscomics.com contact. And just a little teaser into next week. I've got, right now, I've got 14 comics for next week, so a little smaller. And it doesn't look like there's any new number ones coming out next week. So it could be just 14 and that's it, which is totally fine for New Comic Book Day, August 31st. And also, I wanted to say again, thank you to everyone listening and supporting and writing and liking and retweeting and emailing. It, you've, you've just been so so positive, and, and I just have to thank you from the deepest portions, parts of my heart. So thank you so much for listening, and please, if you enjoy the show and you want to help out, just go to iTunes and give me a positive review with five stars. That'll do so much for the show. It really just kind of... It really just kind of boosts the podcast and it just spreads the word in a positive nature. And I'd, I'd love to hear from you. If you do give me a, a, a review on iTunes and five stars, I'll actually read your review on the podcast and give you a personal thank you. So there you go, my friends. That is issue number 69. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, just follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. So see you next week. And don't forget to be water, my friends. That's right. Be water. Looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Welcome, you're listening to the Sunspots Comics podcast Issue number 69, covering New Comic Book Day 824, and it's overstuffed. Aw, oh, damn. <laughs> Here, you should sit. Here. We're going to start you. Just start fresh. It is overstuffed.